0: Welcome to Art of Retreat 2019, the Parkour Leadership and Education Retreat. We're in the Cascade Mountains outside of Seattle, Washington. I'm Craig Constantine from Movers Mindset, and I'm here with Charles St. John. Thanks. Charles St. John is a parkour coach and personal trainer. He's been coaching with Apex School of Movement for over seven years and coaches specialized mobility and joint health classes through his personal brand, MoveAbilities. Charles also works for Zen Planner, a gym management software company, which has given him extensive knowledge of the fitness industry. Welcome, Charles.
1: Yeah, happy to be here.
0: Charles, your session was titled, Progress Your Fitness by Playing with Intent, a Framework for Play. So the obvious first question is, can you give me the executive summary and unpack what the session was for those people who missed it?
1: Oh yeah, most certainly. So this uh, was a session on a way to think about how you structure activities within a fitness class in particular uh, to facilitate certain results, uh, for your students, uh, be it like community building, self-efficacy, uh, skill acquisition, um, consistency and execution, mm-hmm. uh, confidence, et cetera. And by focusing your intent, you can gain those particular attributes.
0: Okay. And, uh, have you taught this course before? Or is this something new that you did for here for Art of Retreat?
1: I've taught this similarly before um, to other coaches. Uh, I taught it at a uh, CrossFit gym mm-hmm. a while back at another gym I coach out of um, where I coach my mobility classes particularly uh, to those coaches there um, so they can kind of pick and choose from my material mm-hmm. and uh, implement into their courses and have a more holistic offering for the clients between my sessions and theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've also run it um, out of our gym, mostly as a dry run for this actual event.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fine. Um, so one of the questions I've had about a lot of the presentations, we've had presenters who have been doing similar material. And I've been curious about how you may have modified the material in anticipation of coming here to present to this group. So everybody is always interested in what makes Art of Retreat unique. And I think one way to address that question is to ask people, well, what, what did you change or what did you think you could expand? Maybe this group can handle deeper topics than other groups, or uh, that's an interesting way to come at how is AOR different?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, one of the biggest things is the people here are professionals. They are coaches, they're seasoned. And not only that, they're much more seasoned in play and in activities mm-hmm. and games uh, than the standard fitness professional who I've taught this to before. Um, and they're proficiencies and the skills and the understanding of the applications and the results that they mm-hmm. get is much more intuitive. Uh, so everybody ends up grasping the content much more quickly mm-hmm. and more uh, constructive conversations can evolve from uh, the introduction of the material mm-hmm. than in past. So it, we've been able to go deeper a bit more quicker. Quickly,
0: right. yeah. Charles, can you walk me through some of the basic maybe highlights or key points of the things that you present to get people on the same page?
1: Oh yeah, sure. Um, So what I do is um, I've created a framework, which I refer to as the play framework because all of the drills that we covered and activities we covered in the presentation were based around making activities more playful Mm -hmm. um, in nature. Uh, And they are six thematic intentions uh, that kind of divide into two broad categories. Uh, so the first uh, broad category is uh, skill uh, acquisition intentions, uh, which are mimicry, creative and collaborative, and integrative uh, intentions.
0: Okay. And then the other three on the, on the other side of th- those are their yeah. acquisition intentions. And then... Uh,
1: yeah, the skill application intentions are execution, competition, and improvisation.
0: Okay. And maybe you want to unpack each of those a little bit so we have a feel for how that landscape plays out?
1: So walking through it, mimicry intentions are activities that are easily approachable and they provide lowest barriers to entry for people Mm -hmm. because they're following somebody's lead. (laughs) Mimic, Uh, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Which is a great way for people to um, first enter into a space and get comfortable. Uh, Standard example, as you know, Simon says, Mm. Follow right. the leader right um, on. yeah yeah but the neat thing about those is they also actually give you the opportunity to implicitly imply rules um, and structures that you would otherwise have to you know print a list of 20 directions on mm. um so thinking about that simon says game uh, a classic example everybody can think of and imagine sure the rule that you explicitly say is if i like i'm simon if i say simon says do what i do If i move and don't say simon says don't do that the implicit rules that get implied as simon starts to lead is the duration of the skills uh the challenge and complexity of them it's not simon says go write a thesis and come back in four years
0: (laughs) (laughs) it says run five miles oh (gasps) yeah they're
1: they're so the the implied material is they're short they're easily observable, and the entire group can execute them with a hundred percent consistency. Uh, so, by approaching these kind of intents, you can cr- uh, craft a experience uh, for people, um, which with mimicry is a way to make it easily accessible for them, and for them to kind of learn the foundations and expectations right. of the space and like what in. to do. And what's on the table and what's off the table for for how how the rest of the session is going to go.
0: Okay. And then second one, creative and collaboration.
1: Yeah. So I I chose two for this one because sometimes, you know, you're you're playing by yourself. Um, I mean, a lot of guys in the parkour space, I mean, it's solo sessioning. Right. Uh, And in that sense, you're kind of collaborating with with, with yourself in a way, which is in essence what creativity can kind of be framed as there. Um, But if you're training with other people, you know, you're bouncing ideas off of each other uh so same type of thing with this uh for any sort of activity and using this intent for that um and creative and collaborative uh activities uh they invite exploration without risk or in a very very low risk um and these uh really enable people to start that self-efficacy start that ownership of the skill and the movements uh or the um, challenge that they're uh, trying to conquer at the time. Okay. The, the other element, um, the, particularly the collaborative element, when you are training with other people as well, is that starts building that element of social bonding uh, to where you're coordinating with, uh, with others, you're starting to understand them, mirror them, uh, and since it's collaborative in nature, you're working together towards a common goal, so you start to get in sync with each other, you start to understand each other, you start to build that rapport. Um, and building that community is incredibly valuable for coaches, gyms, uh, right. retention, mm-hmm. uh, as well as just enthusiasm, um, downright
0: healthy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You start to add that, you start to add that social health to the physical health of the people that you're working with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, um, that those two are really kind of, uh, very holistic in nature, um, in an approach, but they really start to build, um, a lot of stickiness for attendees because they start to feel both that they understand and know the material more um and also that they understand and know the people that they're working with with, which will you know make them want to come
0: back that takes us to the third one is integration yeah
1: so integration focus is adding the emphasis on transitions between skills Uh, that means you can kind of that's you know start a flow state um that's where you give people the opportunity to start feeling like they're really actually acquiring skills because it's being used outside of a very uh stringent methodical manner it's the okay i gotta be able to do this but then also be able to do that um in sequence together uh and then that shows me do i have i actually acquired the skill or am i still piecing thing am i still piecing these parts together Mm mm-hmm uh in that the integration intent like a a classic example in the parkour community is add-on it's like cool all right do i actually have a speed vault because i can do it if i line myself up take four steps and do the vault but what if i'm does it work in add-on right can i put it
0: on after the thing you put on there
1: yeah, and then that's where you can truly find out if you have the if you're acquiring the skill in a useful sense, mm. rather than diligently cranking through it in your head, like left foot here, right hand here, mm-hmm. et cetera. So yeah, and then that that leads us to uh, the next part, which is uh, skill application intentions. So un- unlike the uh, mimicry, creative, and collaborative and integrative approaches, uh, skill application intentions assume a competency of. A given set of skills already uh and it's the differences with these is you're putting them into more demanding and varied scenarios okay uh to elevate the skill and elevate your fit yourself and your capabilities and your fitness um using those skills uh, so the first one is execution most obviously one is execution demands consistency um, of the thing all right cool you did it once can you do it again uh, can you stick your landing yeah. like obvious examples uh, and that l- raises things beyond the level of just mere exercise that's what makes uh, skill-based training unique that's what makes parkour unique um, is that we're not just demanding reps and sets uh, for the caloric expenditure right. of the activity we're demanding the actual application and execution of the learned skills uh for the particular in uh environmental challenge mm-hmm. uh so yeah can you stick your landing basically is mm-hmm. if you want to think about when execution it's windy and it's windy when it's rainy right <laughs> yeah yeah and that's that that you know that's an execution challenge in its own right that's part of the game is cool um can i change my can i change the environment and still do it mm-hmm. can i still execute this nicely regardless of the height of an obstacle regardless of the condition that it's in Um, regardless of how fatigued i am right um and all of that um when you're thinking about execution as the intent of the drill and the activity that's where it becomes playful in nature um and focused um on master further mastery of Mm -hmm. the skill
0: and then second one under yeah is competition
1: yeah uh so competition is really cool because uh, it creates scenarios to test your competency, um, and also push it beyond what you can oftentimes do just under your own volition. Uh, somebody else will think of something that you haven't even tried. You know, they'll, they'll they'll push the box further and they'll try and hit that gap. And you're like, well, that was my max. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, they're jumping it. I might, I'm, I'm, am with them. They 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 said, yeah, let's let's see, let's see what you got. Um, and you're kind of leveling yourself up there. Um, you can think of it, and also in like other competitive sports scenes, um, you're only going to probably try and you're, you're going to only really sprint as fast as you need to to win. Yeah. Um,
0: so Especially if you're, if you're half a pace behind the guy, it's like, oh, I only need a half a step. I'm like I can get this
1: right. 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 But yeah, if that other guy's not there, you might not make that extra half step. Mm-hmm. And it's that external drive. Uh, that having a competitive intent can really drive further mastery of the skill beyond what you might feel um, compelled to do yourself.
0: And that leads us to improvisation.
1: Yeah. Um, So improv is, it necessitates self-efficacy. So if you're really trying to curate somebody that owns their practice and is confident in their abilities and will bother to solo session outside Mm -hmm. or show up rain or shine and your uh (laughs) show up rain or shine um to train with you or train by themselves uh having the confidence to explore the skills they have and then variate them through their own thought process uh and from their own uh creative mindset is
0: inspiration in the moment
1: yeah is really where it's like yeah this is mine now i i own this and fostering activities that an intending improvisation as part of the structure will lead to very cool results um another classic parkour example the 10 second drill Mm -hmm. um classic apex one where it's like all right we've got we've got a bunch of scaf here we got a bunch of like we got a bunch of rails like you're going to rail flow for 10 seconds first two three seconds you've probably thought of you're like i'm going to hit this i'm going to hit that you're going to hit that one, and two, then you're like three, shoot oh <laughs> all right I, got, I still got seven seconds left and that's where okay cool i whatever skills i have on lock and whatever body position i'm in like let's kind of throw that and oh i landed in this shape and now what do i have well I can kind of get into maybe a different vault, um, but my footing's not quite right and then you know the shape evolves, it might turn into a different movement. You're, you might get a different expression um, with the shape. and that's where um, that's where you kind of start circling back and you might discover a whole new movement that you had never done before, but you kind of like jankily mm. through it and you're like, oh sweet, all right. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me take a step back and try it um, yeah, see if I can build this into a new skill itself. And that's oftentimes where new skills come from. I mean, um, you think classic, uh, classic pole vaulter example, like that was that was cl- that was improv, where you know it's like, all right, I'm gonna not gonna, I'm gonna go over back first, um, or you know, crossovers in basketball, um, or even dunking, like mm-hmm. that. That was that was innovative in nature, and because somebody was kind of improv and doing something different, mm-hmm. like playing around, and it's like, all right, yeah, I wonder if I can dribble the ball between my legs, and then it's like, oh, sweet, all right wonder if i can use that in a game and oh okay cool he can't get the ball right um so using like kind of more general example um you see that and then uh in the parkour space like that's where you start seeing some really wild flips and tricks and i mean like palm flips worm flips that type of stuff that i'm sure that all first came from like eh, all right i can i can wall flip but
0: yeah never how what can i do from this unusual starting yeah. position
1: yeah um and that's in fostering uh, activities that create that really create people that feel quite confident in their movement um, because they're now starting to exploit it and explore it in ways that um, outside of the initial intent hmm.
0: so i like your your phrase outside the initial intent because um when you first begin if we're talking in the parkour context when when one first starts there's the initial lockup of i don't know where to what to which foot go like there's there's like no attempt to, it's impossible to figure out where to uh, how to break it open and how to get how to get started and um a lot of coaches can take you to the level of like showing you the encyclopedia and then they can take you to the level of letting you adapt those individual pieces, but getting people over that hump to be um, be creative about it and to be able to take these things and not be startled or afraid of situations that they weren't you know expecting three seconds ago when they started the line. I, I think that's a very special feature of parkour and I'm wondering um, if you had to pack your talk down into one sentence i'm wondering what piece of all of this whole puzzle and maybe it's a seventh thing that summarizes i'm not sure but i'm just wondering like what is it if you had to you know the th- one sentence or two sentence elevator pitch
1: i'd say the big thing about playing with intent is you can make situations approachable depending on what people need in order to get to the level of true confidence and self-efficacy in their movement Mm. so to your example you mentioned it's like all right yeah we've got our like you can they when somebody first starts learning vault they'll be thinking about all their feet doing all of this um having them just mimic you follow the leader using that first intent they have they stop thinking about their own feet they start watching you so if that's what they need that's where you can meet them at Mm. um if they're sitting there and they're not feeling super confident and like that kind of like oh we'll play with this figure it out take it like bring it um take a different approach take a different intent think about execution be like you know what let's hit this 10 times in a row see what we um and see see if it's really on lock um because it might not be on lock it, they, they might show competency with it but there might be that hesitation hmm. um and that's where thinking about these intents can kind of help you curate um, and meet the needs of the people you're coaching.
0: Do you recall, I really like the improvisation part, like as the not the culmination of the, of the student's journey, but improvisation coming as like a realization from all the work they've put in. Do you recall um, a point in time where you realized that improvisation was such a um, critical in the sense of like, it's important that you reach this stage, not critical, like you need this to start the journey. But do you recall a point in time where, where it became clear to you that it was so critical?
1: yes uh i mean in part like when i was introduced to improvisational movement uh within both the parkour context of rail flow type of training specifically mm-hmm. but then outside of that with uh contemporary dance and those type of approaches is it is an incredibly tasking and high level skill mm-hmm. and in part that's why i cover it last and also that's why i think it's uh, such a that's why we see it as such a high um high expression of skill yeah. is that there are so many things that come before it that um improv shows that true application and knowledge of your skill set um to where others um, other types of movement does not
0: not as clear an indicator yeah did you did you see it like when you discovered it was it in dance or was it in yoga or Uh, it was it was a
1: little i do remember specific it was specifically learning rail flow Mm. um at the time when we were first introduced to playing with that concept it was presented in a way of all right we've been doing vaults all day we've been doing vaults on rails all day that was the theme of the class Uh, so now we're gonna move through the space, and we're gonna you're just gonna have to keep moving in it and not stop moving um, using what we had in class. And the jankiness of the of <laughs> uh, of everybody in the class, you know, this is you know we, you know, beginner classes like years ago for for myself. Um, we were all really struggling through that, and then the instructor just powers through it effortlessly, mm-hmm. no wasted steps, no hesitations. Um, and that's where you saw that true improvisation in that they didn't know where their body was exactly gonna end up ten seconds from now, but they had things
0: unlocked that Clearly they could not worry about it. Did you can you describe the feeling? So when you um the first time or maybe the first time you can remember that you managed to unlock that skill for improvisation, can you remember the feeling? Like what did that feel like when it happened? Yeah,
1: I mean, for me, I, I, it felt very akin to a sport that I have had that ingrained um, since before I can remember, which is skiing, which is you, like, you know, hitting a long tree or like going through the trees, skiing down. Yeah, you, unlike a mogul run or something where you can chart a pretty far route um you can only see through some you can't really right. see through can't trees see the trees <laughs> um so so a lot of that is very reactive in nature and the the shape of the landscape by the nature of trees growing out of the ground and snow piling up in weird ways is you're not going to have that consistent line so a lot of it is very reactive and adaptive to the space um and i remember with parkour uh playing with that rail flow, finding that sensation on the second, you know, the second, fourth, fifth round through of um, like rail flow to where I was like, oh, okay, I get it. It's the, all right, I'm not going to really be able to think about what landing I'm going to have 10, 15 seconds from now and how much momentum that's going to have from the prior vault. (laughs) But um, I know I'm going to have to carry it somewhere else. And I have these three or four different vaults. That are options for me and as i make that landing one of those four is going to come from me um and it's whatever is going to be situationally appropriate um and smooth and if it is smooth that's when it felt like improv that's when it felt like sweet all right that that i had that and it felt good and it probably looked good too Mm
0: -hmm. We've been zoomed uh, in pretty far and talking about the specifics of of the idea the topic and the presentation but let's zoom out and you know there's people listening other than just you and me and let's figure out is there something about this a little thread that we can pull out or a, like a challenge or a question that you can toss to the people who are listening that would help maybe kick them off on this journey or adjust the journey they're already on
1: yeah i would really say think about when you're training whether it's jam session or a class or a particular drill activity, whatever it may be when you're training, think about these six intentions and think about which one is being applied to the particular activity. Mm -hmm. Um, Won't be explicitly stated, uh, but see if you can like try and see it and then know that. And with that intention, see if it changes your training style and see if you, if you, Grow in your capacity mm. um, to be able to like perform the skill that you're tr- currently working on.
0: That that's actually I think a really interesting insight because it it occurs to me that I have been in situations where I've wanted to and I, I wasn't thinking about it at the time in this framework, but I've wanted to work on improvisation. Like it's just I really wish I could move like you know so and so. And, but instead, I'm working on mimicry. Like, that's what we happen to be doing today is mimicry. And then I'm like constantly f- arguing with myself, like, oh, I want to do improvisation while mimicking, which is like absolutely not going to work. And I'm wondering, that could be a potential source of frustration, I would think. And it seems like it has been for me. Um, but all right. So, if you're asking people to find, um, to like pay attention to this framework and see how does what they're doing fit in, um, and then what do they do if they um, find it doesn't, like, they can't figure out how to fit it, or should they think more about, i want to go out intentionally and work on one of these six
1: yeah yeah it's kind of the play with purpose idea which um really translates even outside of the realm of fitness and Mm -hmm. more into like general game theory uh playing with purpose really heavily equates to um both like self efficacy and confidence and socialization and also just the general uh Um, ability of the players of the game Mm. um and it also bleeds over into their general lifestyle um but with that um in mind if you are um trying to figure out like okay what what am i actually doing here like i'm showed up to open gym i'm jumping around yeah um how am i choosing to jump today and if you realize what you're doing is you're seeing a dude hit a jump and you're like, dude, let me do, do that jump with you. And you're hitting the exact same movement he is. And then he changes that movement. Like he changes it up, adds it, adds a cat leap at the end. And then you try that again and you realize, Hey, I'm mimicking this guy. That's something that you can think of and then be like, well, Hey man, like what else you got for me right. and see if you can have him push you. Um, and by mimicking his movements, elevate your own right. and uh, acquire new skills um if you walk into the gym and you're by yourself and you're just drilling your own thing in the corner um and you're just trying to hit the same jump over and over um because you're you know you're trying to get a sweet line for instagram like that's execution right like and if you think about it that way then you're like oh okay well am i getting this just for the instagram thing or am i getting this really so i can like have this on lock so i can walk into this gym cold um or i can hit up this spot cold like and hit that line first line and then move on with my day, you know? Um, And that kind of mindset um, of thinking of these frameworks can give you a bit more of an intention behind your training, um, which would give you a better insight, both to like what your current proclivities are and like the way you're trying kind of like showing up that day. But then also you might see where you're like, you see if you're hitting a wall in frustration, Mm -hmm. well, you might want to move on. So to your example of Hey, I, you know, I'm showing up and I'm, I'm, I'm in a class with people and we're doing follow leader and we're, we're just repping out like a circuit. Um, but I'm really feeling like stifled and I, I want to be a bit more creative and that might mean for you, you have to sit there and be like, okay, cool. I've got a solo session this now. I gotta, mm-hmm. you know, hop in like hit this line after class, um, at this spot. Everybody else has moved on. Um, I've got to hit this with variation. Yeah, I got to right. try something different um and realizing the distance there can also guide you towards what you should do
0: progress your fitness play with intent can you tell me a little bit about where that idea comes from and what's the history of the framework
1: yeah so th- this particular deep dive came from a framework i developed for myself uh while i was teaching not poor core classes but mobility focused uh rehab recovery mm-hmm. uh group fitness classes uh that particular type of training is not inherently just not as intense engaging or challenging as like other types of physical training (laughs) Um, it's 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 a lot of low-key low effort movement repetition right yeah um so i was beginning to try and find ways to make my classes more fun and less uh, and social a little bit less methodical in nature uh and that was initially because i wanted to keep up like attendance and engagement (laughs) the class Um, i need to run a class here (laughs) yeah um but i noticed that as i started to explore kind of making uh the activities more into games and less into like route reps and set drills uh that i was finding transition into the parkour classes i was coaching um and what i was finding differently in that because that material is inherently engaging was uh using the framework that i was able to make thing material more approachable and also cultivate skill faster Mm. um and also make people like build self-efficacy make people feel much more confident in their movement um just by the nature of changing
0: the way the activities were framed Mm. charles i'm wondering if you have any because i'm betting you do if you have any stories about how taking this framework you know into the actual groundwork of like teaching um, cases where that's really let students like unlock a difficulty or transform from one place to another
1: yeah so when um running this uh running this uh workshop deep dive uh what's always been interesting to me and what's been consistent in nature is when we circle back up and talk about the application mm-hmm. that people find for this um this usually just isn't the oh yeah you know i i run follow the leader in my classes and stuff like people find those correlations but then it usually gets elevated very very quickly and people get very enthused about talking about like oh yeah man we could we could totally like you know with uh kind of like a like one an integration activity to where uh like there there was actually a collaborative activity that we were doing uh which was a simple proprioceptive drill um, from my mobility classes where think twister in the air. You have somebody hold a target Mm, and somebody taps it with a given limb that uh, the participant, uh, that the guy with the target name. So he's like left foot, left foot here, um, Mm. right hand here. Uh, Like when we were circling up and talking about it, it wasn't just the, oh yeah, I can see how like the two people were working together. Um, You started to see gears turn in um, instructors heads and they're sitting there like, what if you made them hold it? Because now they're getting sustained strength and balance. Mm. Um, if they have to lift their left foot and then hold it there until they get the chance to tag the next target, and it's like you know, I didn't even think of that rule when we were when we were initially talking about the drill. But yeah, let's sweet, let's do it. Let's hop back up. Let's set it up again. Let's see see how that changes the activity um, and how that changes the skill acquisition. Because now it's not just am I can I get my limb there in space? Yeah. Now it's can I get it there and hold there and hold the balance? And so now we're building a whole separate set of skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and watching that natural, organic growth and that um, all of those gears turn was really quite neat to see, and um, also also fun for for me as a coach to get that collaborative setting right. on a meta level. <laughs> um, and now now we're playing the game uh, as coaches. Yeah,
0: these six same things work at the next level up.
1: Yeah, yeah, very much so.
0: It sounds like there's a lot of the students quickly realizing these how these pieces will fit into what they're doing, but then. It's there would be like an immediate integration of this where you would people would just like one plus one is two four sixteen and like they just take off with it. So are there are there pictures or snapshots that you've gotten where students have just really just turned left with this and done something really unexpected?
1: Yeah, yeah. There was a great experience when we were focusing on the competitive nature, mm. uh, like in competitive intent. Uh, where we had set up kind of like a pseudo-soccer game-esque structure. We had tennis balls. We were throwing them through goals. People were guarding the goals. Um, The students themselves started to self-regulate, like the participants themselves started to self-regulate and crafting additional rules and ideas uh, to better facilitate the play of the game Hmm. and to keep the game going, Going. um, which is, in essence, one of the the kind of the core tenets of play and one of the hardest things to get out of play, um, is getting people to want to continue the game and to elevate the game as well, Mm -hmm. um, as while simultaneously making it more inclusive and to watch that happen organically, uh, because the intent of making it competitive was there. And when the competitive intent was being lost because the game was becoming more and more unfair. Um and watching that self-regulation occur and the coaches throwing out new ideas, being like, "Hey, all right, like all referee, it's fifty percent effort. If I see you really peg the net, like like throw the ball real hard at the guy, um, like we're gonna not we're not gonna count the goal even if it goes in." Um, that type of organic self-regulation was um awesome to see um as, as somebody who was facilitating the session um because now exactly what we're hoping to happen which is the ownership self-efficacy um is occurring within the group without it even being taught Mm. it's just self uh self-cultivated right bootstraps um by the by the nature of the drill Mm. which you know means you got a good drill on your hands um
0: the more that we talk about this the more it's feeling like um it might that might not be just parkour but it feels like parkour is somehow particularly fertile for this like Um, game creation is not parkour specific but yet there's something about parkour people when they get into game design that they do these things you were describing about automatically self-regulating and automatically doing the integration and execution they just seem to ratchet this um this structure they ratchet through this framework and i'm just wondering if you have any insight or any thoughts on how it's different like if you've used this framework with just normal regular fitness people who do crossfit or, or teach crossfit um If you see any differences between those two communities and why you maybe think that the parkour people like ratchet so much quicker at it
1: oh yeah yeah so i think one of the biggest things is it's really innate to the way we train um when you go to a jam session and you um hit a line somebody else did that's mimicry there when you see somebody do something and then you see somebody jump a gap and then you jump the gap and front flip it that's the improv um being added So a lot of these frameworks are very innate to the way we initially train, whereas um, a lot of other fitness modalities and groups uh, never approach that level of um, application, we'll say. Hmm. Um, A a classic example is there's usually not kind of a punitive effect for not doing something quite right. I mean, if if your form isn't right on one of the... One of the amrap deadlifts in crossfit you know you've got you know 40 more to do before the workout ends right um i was
0: also thinking things like spin cycle classes where you're, you're sitting on a stationary bike and spinning it's terrific physically it's great i mean there's even a camaraderie in a community but how does improv come into this or even i mean competition is there but you're, you're really mimicry. mimicry isn't even something that's available so there is something definitely about the play aspect of parkour i think Um, and it's probably in other communities too. I I don't, I try not to be too exclusive about like, it's only available in parkour, but
1: it's just, yeah, it's, it's very innate to the variety of ways people train. Um, and that's why a lot of this material seems to be so relevant, um, Mm -hmm. to coaches and why I wanted to bring it to art of retreat is because you do see a lot of people having just that innate understanding of games are fun. Let me set up a game but um oftentimes it gets regulated to the sidelines Mm. it's like cool it's going to be a game for a warm-up or the game is uh the cool down or the game is the thing to burn off all the kids energy so they can line up and actually focus on the vault (laughs) um rather than thinking about the vault itself as a game and be like okay all right let's try and like they're not really paying attention to this let's Let's give, uh, this, let's give this vault challenge an execute, uh, an execution, uh, framework, uh, for, for the kids, um, to make it playful for them. Because now there's consequence there's okay, cool. If I don't make this landing, um, if I don't make this landing, I have to like crawl a circuit or something to where Mm -hmm. if I make this landing, then I get to jump into the foam pit. Like you can delineate that and make it playful. And, um, rather than just regulating it to the sidelines of having a unintentioned, game or game or playful activity that's like cool all right it got your heart rate up awesome we did like right. <laughs> we did simon says uh for funsies and it had push-ups in it so it's fitness now um you can instead be like all right cool this is mimicry it's still simon says it's still going to have pushups. all of the context can be the same but by adding the intent of I'm doing this to make sure that the community that just came to this class knows I am the lead instructor lead instructor, that I'm setting the pace and the motions and the form and the technique for the day, and that you guys are going to follow my lead by having that intent, your entire presentation structure um of the activity changes in nature. And I think that's really where this um, framework becomes valuable for um, coaches and instructors, both within the parkour space, especially. Um, but also, even the general
0: fitness space. Charles, if people want to learn more, if they want to talk to you, where can they get in touch with you? Websites, uh, Instagram, social media.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so, Facebook's great to get a hold of me. It's just Charles St. John. There's a period after the ST. Um, Instagram, the handle's opposite. So, it's St. John, period, Charles. Um, you can also email me either at Charles at movabilities.com or Charles at apexdenver.com. Um, both go to the same place. Cool. Um, I'm pretty responsive online and be happy to share more.
0: Great. It was a pleasure talking to you today. Yeah, thanks again. You're very welcome. This was one of 23 interviews from the 2019 North American Art of Retreat. To hear the rest, check out Art of Retreat on castbox.fm. You can find out more about the Art of Retreat at artofretreat.com. Thank you for listening.